Holy Father, you promised that your word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. You can tell a lot about a person by the way he prays. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, what do your prayers reveal about you? Your prayers reveal not only your theology, but also your priorities, your fears, your struggles, the desires of your heart. In fact, I could have a conversation with you and not learn as much about you as I would if I could simply listen to you pray. In our gospel lesson for this morning, we get to listen in on Jesus at prayer. And we learn what matters most to him. And what matters most to him might surprise you. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, Christ's high priestly prayer. This is what we call chapter 17 of John's gospel. And our gospel reading is a portion of that chapter, verses one through 11. But the context of the prayer is, is simply this. Point number one, Christ's farewell discourse. Chapters 14 through 16 of John's gospel, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about his departure, what it means, and what will happen. The coming of the Spirit, he reminds them that he's the vine, they're the branches, they bear fruit as they remain in him, and the Spirit himself will come and remind the disciples of everything Jesus has said. So this is, this is what's taking place in the farewell discourse leading up to the prayer in our gospel lesson. Now, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament refers to Jesus as our great high priest. And the high priest has this responsibility. Number one, he will pray for the people of God. And number two, he will offer sacrifice on their behalf. And that's exactly what Jesus does in John 17. Jesus prays about his glorification or his sacrifice on the cross, and he prays for his followers. So letter B, the structure of the prayer. Number one, Jesus prays for himself. He prays for himself. And I read from the lesson, chapter 17, verse one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, meaning the reason why I came to earth is about to be fulfilled. Glorify your son. And remember, the glorification of Jesus in John's gospel means his suffering, death, and resurrection. That's his glorification. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now, notice that. To glorify the son is not to take anything away from the father. It's not to disparage him. To glorify the Son 
is to glorify the Father. The two are inseparably bound together, Father and Son. To glorify the Son is to glorify the Father who sent him into the world. Verse 2, since you've given him authority over all flesh, and notice how many times the word give or given is used in this section of uh, John 17. It's all over the place. You've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. My friends, you can't know God apart from Jesus Christ. In fact, the only way to know the Father is to get to know the Son, because He is the full disclosure of the Father, as we've said previously. Verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now notice, He speaks of the future as if it's already accomplished. He's so certain about completing His work that He speaks of it in the past tense. Verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's his pre-existence as the eternal Son of God. So by, by means of this prayer now, Jesus consecrates himself for service as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by consecrating himself to that service, he can consecrate his disciples so that he can then consecrate all of us through the word his disciples will speak. Point number two, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for his disciples, but not for the world. Now, why would he not pray for the world? Doesn't he care about the world? <laughs> you know, we read in John 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? Well, in fact, by praying for his disciples, he is, in fact, taking care of the world because these disciples are his apostles. They are the ones whom he will send out into the world to bring the message of eternal life to all. So his way of caring for the world is to care for those in his immediate presence. They are his gift to the world. And point number three, Jesus prays for us, and that's beyond the gospel reading for this morning, but it's in John 17. It's part of his prayer. He prays for us. He prays for all of us who will believe through the word of the apostles. Jesus prays that we will all be one. That's the point of his prayer, that we will all be one. And it's certainly a unity of love, but it's more than that as well. Christ prays for a unity that is based upon adherence to the word of Christ. He says elsewhere in his gospel, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. Oneness in the kingdom of God is a matter of adhering to the word. Letter C, the importance of this prayer. By his word and prayer, Christ sanctifies or sets apart for his service you and me. He sanctifies us by his word in chapters 14 through 16 and by his prayer in chapter 17. 
And that follows what St. Paul has written in 1 Timothy 4. Everything is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Everything is set apart, made special for God's use by the Word that He speaks and by the prayer that Jesus prays. Jesus sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He makes us fit to stand in the presence of God by the words He speaks to us and by the prayer He offers on our behalf. In John 15, Jesus said this, You are already clean through the word I have spoken to you. His word cleanses us. We believe Christ bespeaks us righteous in his sight by his word. What he says is. When he says you are forgiven, whether it's through the pastor speaking at the beginning of the service, or whether it's a promise you read in scripture, when he speaks that to you, that's what you are righteous in his sight. Everything is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. Roman numeral two. The forms of address you employ reveal your familiarity with others. They reveal your familiarity, or lack thereof, perhaps, with others. You know, every year in the fall, we invite some uh, outstanding theologians to this congregation for what we call our Lutheran Heritage Weekend. And, and when they're here and I introduce them, I refer to them usually as Reverend Dr. This or Reverend Dr. That. Okay. And the use of such titles suggests that I have a rather limited familiarity with them, and, and I do. I know them but usually it's from a distance. And often they will respond to me by, by saying, oh, call me Larry, call me Paul, call me Greg. When someone says that to you, they are offering you a higher level of familiarity with themselves. And they're considering you as something of a peer, kind of like they're equal. But when God says to you, call me Father, and that's what we're taught to refer to him as, he offers you the highest level of familiarity and intimacy that is possible. Suddenly, you're much more than a peer. You are a dearly loved child. Letter A, humanity and a growing intimacy with God. And I believe we see that in Scripture, a growing intimacy with God throughout the Scripture. For example, in the book of Genesis, God reveals himself to the patriarchs as God Almighty. But point number two, in the book of Exodus now, beyond after Genesis, in, the, in Exodus, God reveals himself to Moses and to the people by his personal name. His personal name is Yahweh. We translate it Lord. It's all caps. L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see that in the Bible, it's Yahweh, God's personal name. And this is how God refers to this uh, in Exodus 6. He says, I am the Lord. I'm Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, or the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. And I love the way the writer of Hebrews said it 
at the beginning of his sermon or his epistle, whatever you want to call it. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the, and through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. By his son. That means he's revealing himself as father to us. In these last days, God reveals himself to us as father, the father that he is. He did not make himself known in the past as father. But now he's doing so through the revelation of his son, Jesus. So point number three, Jesus refers to God in our lesson repeatedly as Father and throughout the Gospel of John as Father. Jesus does not refer to God as the Almighty, although God is that. Jesus doesn't address God as the Sovereign Lord or the great architect of the universe, though he is those things as well. Jesus addresses God as Father, and in doing so, he reveals God to us not as God Almighty, not by God's personal name, Yahweh, but as our loving, caring Father. My friends, to know God as Almighty is a great privilege. To know him as Sovereign Lord or as Yahweh is an even greater privilege. But to know God as Father is the highest privilege of all. And no other relationship can compare in terms of intimacy and familiarity. There is only one person on earth who has the right to refer to God as Father, and that is Jesus, God's unique Son. He's the only begotten Son of the Father. He alone has the right to call him Father. And yet, the work of Jesus is to draw us into the very same relationship that he himself has with the Father. Jesus is the unique Son of God, but his prayer for us is that we might share in his sonship, that we might stand alongside him as fellow members of the Father's household. That's the privilege we are given. Letter B, Jesus addresses God as Father because he is the one and only Son. He's the Son who makes the Father known. You can't have a Son without a Father, you see. And it's the Son who reveals him as Father. And point number one, fathers give. That's their job. They bequeath. They, they pass down things. That's what fathers in the ancient world would do, and I trust we still do that today thank God. And so 11 times in 11 verses in your gospel reading, the word gave or given is employed by Jesus to describe the work of the Father. The Father is the one who gives. And sons, point number two, sons receive. Sons inherit. Sons are given too. And, and there's nothing sexist about this. I mean, the, the son would be the one who would inherit everything. But we're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, according to St. Paul in Galatians chapter 3. Whether we're male or female, rich or poor, no matter our standing in life, all of us are, son, all of us are inheritors of what God is giving. Let her see Christ's work 
is to reveal God as Father so that we might be sanctified or set apart as God's sons. As God's sons. That's the work of the Lord, Jesus, is to bring us into sonship with the Father. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's been said, and I think it's true, that your checkbook reveals what your priorities are, if you still have a checkbook. Many of us don't. The same can be said of your prayers. This morning we eavesdrop on Jesus at prayer. And what matters most to Jesus is simply this, that we get God right. What matters most to Jesus is that we know God not as we think he should be, but that we know God as he truly is. Do you know him as a stern judge? Well, he's a judge when he has to be. But he's the judge who pardons us all at the cross. Abraham knew him as God Almighty. Moses knew him as Yahweh. But those titles, as accurate as they are, fail to capture God's essence. At the core of his being, God is the loving Father of us all. And we know that because he was the one who would not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all in order that we might receive the adoption as sons. God has been known by many names, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord of hosts, the Alpha and the Omega, the living God. And all of those honorific titles are true, but they're also incomplete. God wants us to know him in a way more familiar, more intimate than that. God wants us to know him as the true father that he is. And in our gospel lesson for this morning, Jesus prays for us that we would know God in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.